Welcome to PLV Radio Network. You're listening to Sarah at Positive Living Vibrations. Today I have a couple of people who decided to go and retire in a different way. You know, many people think that is taking up golf, going on holidays, taking up gardening. Not this couple. They decided to find a long life passion and they opened up a semi-retirement farm for horses, llamas and anything else that was being put out to pasture. So some kind of retirement, but this is their passion and this is their love. Today we're going to be talking to Terry and Tim Bonney of Gunston, Colorado. And they have a perfect place to semi-retire. Uh, well, they semi-retired in 2003. And they have this perfect place for animals to come to. But how did they start off and come to this dream? Well, they've spent 20 years in Long Island pursuing their individual careers, one as a concert pianist and the other as an obstetrician. Both decided to give up the city life to, pur- to pursue a, a shared long-life dream a rescue ranch for animals in need. It quickly became apparent that Gunson uh, is nowhere for the elderly, unwanted, injured animals to retire, and immediately the bunnies put their 15 acres to work. Safe Harbor Ranch became, a, I believe, a 501c3, which they'll explain what that is, in 2011, having already been home to 20 horses, 2 mules, 16 sheep, and 3 llamas. The bunnies declared it their mission that Safe Harbor Ranch will be forever a home for those most needy and least wanted animals. And that means the elderly ranch horses that were no longer capable of work, the lame trail horses, the mules who can no longer carry their loads, injured and orphaned sheep and llamas who cannot pick up in the wilderness anymore. These are the stories of the Website of Cowboy the Brave Horse with Cancer, Gypsy the Sweet Blinded uh, in an Accident and Malaria, the Grandma Sheep with the Heart of Gold. And they all have wonderful personalities that give so much. They have many visitors that come to their ranch, some to volunteer, some to be healed in their own way, but many just to take in appreciation of those that have traveled before them. They're supported by a tremendous team, the bunnies have available to them a wealth of knowledge, energy, and experience. The entire team holds a common belief in the inherent value of the elder years. They're happy. They are a hospice. They are a home. So I wish to thank you right up front for caring so deeply about senior or injured animals that would have most certainly been killed if you had not rescued them. So on behalf of all of them, I thank you. And I welcome Terry and Tim. To the show. Hello, guys. Concert pianist. <laughs> Concert pianist and an obstetrician. Okay, now this is interesting. Why did you want to open up a farm like this? When did this dream become? Well, training as a musician for many, many years and having lived in New York for nearly 20 years, um, I just got very tired of doing the same thing over and over. And I know many of my musician colleagues out there might say, oh, my goodness, how could you say such a thing? We love what we do. We do with such passion. And that's very true. But part of me always wanted to be on a farm, always wanted to be around the company of animals. And I found that being a full-time pianist was was keeping me indoors almost around the clock and, and throughout the year. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, made the tough decision to just back off um, 
and now I still I still occasionally play. I do some chamber music stuff for the Crested Butte Music Festival. Uh, this summer I have the summer off because I'm trying to raise my volunteer program and really work on the ranch. And, and when my hands are so occupied on the farm, they don't move very fast at the piano. So um, Have I you thought about to- combining them? I mean, have a concert pianist at the farm. Animals would love it. So would everybody else that came. <laughs> yes, I have a friend who's going to help me organize um, a concert this winter that we're going to do as a fundraiser for Safe Harbor Ranch. So that that will be very nice. Because usually I play for the music festival, but this time I'm going to do something for my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yes, when my hand, when the swirling goes down and the fall rolls in, I'll start to work again. So... <laughs> And Tim, you, the obstetrician, um, you know, the animal farm, uh, what led you to that? Was it, was it the wife's idea? Uh, did you have the same passion? Uh, yes, we, I was an animal lover my whole life and, and we did, uh, always, uh, we were the people when I was a child, uh, to rescue the robins and the squirrels and other little injured animals that you find in the city that, uh, need help. So my family was always oriented towards that. My mother was a nurse. Um, so when we came out here to get away from the road rage of New York, uh, the, uh, the animals just came our way, you know, one, one by one. And although we were afraid of them at first, their need uh, broke our hearts and we mm-hmm. uh, became accustomed to uh, taking care of them and trusting uh, them, even though we gave them uh, quite a bit of pain in terms of cleaning out their problems. So, uh, is it, it a big it, stretch for you as an obstetrician to to be helping the animals, or is there, you know, are there similarities there that it wasn't such a, a you know a hard trans, um, you know, to to heal them? I mean, obviously it's a different type of medicine, but you know, are there similarities there in taking care of them? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, and in, in fact, you know, I mean, infection is. The same, and abscesses are the same. The difficulty is in understanding the anatomy, so you don't damage them when you're fixing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, surgically speaking, you know what I mean. Yes. So things are wired so, a little differently. <laughs> so I would have the uh, vet show me where and and how to uh, approach the various tissues that were injured or infected, um, and then uh, you know I could use my instruments, <laughs> my older instruments from my practice to. Uh, it, do the job. Great. They're lucky to have you there. So tell us a little more about your farm. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people that come to it. Terry and I have had some wonderful long conversations on it. Um, But, you know, um, obviously it's evolved to something more than you thought it would. So a little bit on that story of where how it's got to be where it is today. Well, it started as as one horse. and that particular horse was uh, doomed, and all of us, uh, everyone told us that uh, he wouldn't make it. And um, the horse sort of sat there and said, uh, give me a chance. And mm-hmm. um, the reward uh, that we both got in terms of saving this animal and then seeing how he allowed us to keep him and then how he became our friend, uh, blossomed into what if someone else has another animal that needs help? What do we do with that? We make do we say, well, one is enough, or do we say, how much can we do? Or you know, do you turn your head, or do you go, bring it on? And so that's what we did, and from there the ranch balloon. Tim's talking about our first rescue, whose name is Yellow. 
And he's named Yellow because he's yellow. Uh, he was named by a child, and he used to be a trail horse. Um, but he had an infection in his leg that is very common, uh, ranch injury. But most people don't have what we had. And that, we thought, was the time, mm-hmm. first of all, the space and the expertise to take care of something like a chronic wound day and night. Yes. Uh, most people, you know, without Tim's medical expertise. I don't think I could have done this because uh, so much of, of treating a wound and watching an infection and administering these big injections with giant needles into a horse. I mean, that's stuff he can do yeah. easily. Um, and most people cannot. So the veterinarian trusted us with doing all this care. And we found that many horses like yellow, just given the right amount of care for two solid weeks, mm-hmm. soaking their legs, wrapping their wounds and taking care of things that ordinary people cannot do. They survive well. Um, Yellow's in his sixth year with us. He's going strong. And it just got us to thinking that, boy, you know, if we could make a difference like that by giving them that attention that most people don't know how to do or don't have the resources to do, um, we could save a lot of animals from early death. Yeah, because it's such a shame. yeah. It's such a shame that animals today, it's like, oh, you know, leg injury, let's just, uh, you know, put them down. And it's uh, such a shame because really, would we do that to ourselves? You know, we would look to anything that we can to make ourselves well again and find out what the root of the problem is. Why are we not doing this for the animals as well? Um, it shouldn't be the moment they get sick that they're dismissed. So I commend well, you for what right, you guys are doing. Right. You know, there's a ser- several angles on that. You know, people don't have the money to put into animals or they don't think they're worth it. Um, or, you know, horses nowadays, particularly recently in the bad economy, you can get free horses. So putting horses down and getting new ones is a standard procedure. People don't have a sense that their lives are worth much mm. once they're once they're not workable anymore, um, which to me is ridiculous. Yeah. I see all animals and all creatures as having as valuable a lifespan as my own. Um, and this is just basic. Some of the stuff we learned was just basic medical care. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't even that expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to change the culture a little bit here, too, and educate people a little bit about the fact that, you know, if they just give a horse a couple of weeks of rest sometimes or a couple of weeks of care like we do, they can be back to themselves and and most people don't want to don't want to take that time. It comes down to um, a, a lack of value and appreciation of the of it uh, being a living force, isn't it? You know, it's we've got to stop looking at these animals as a you know something that works for you that is an economical thing. It is a living being um, that you've put into service, and just as you would with anybody in any form of work service, you have to respect and value and take care of them if you want to get the best out of them. And I think people have to stop looking at animals as uh, disposable. Absolutely. And in my opinion, which, you know, I'm a vegetarian and and this just comes naturally to me. So I sometimes lose my patience. Uh, I try not to with a client or with anybody we know because people have to change slowly. Mm -hmm. But truly part of the biggest parts of our mission is trying to educate the community gently, ever so gently that we value every day we can give an animal, mm-hmm. every single day, and particularly the ones who are old and, and now just need that quiet retirement. Uh, we just feel they're so entitled to that. But the young ones who are injured as well. Um, you know, I've never seen an animal as a tool. Mm-hmm. 
and unfortunately, the culture out here, all animals are tools. Yeah. So we're sort of in a tough place to get this message across. Um, but people do listen, and they do come by, and they see what we're doing, and it makes them smile. And I really think it makes them think. Uh, and if you can affect change in one or two people, and then they can go tell somebody yeah, else the that domino I saw these wonderful resources. I think so. So we have to keep our energy up that way and not be discouraged and just keep plodding along because there are a lot of good people out there and, and they just have never thought this way before. Well, I'm sure even just coming to the farm so, and seeing the older animals there, I mean, as you say, it is such a, the animals are in such gratitude because uh, of the care that you've given them and the vibration that they set off sets a whole different um, aura, uh, you know, around. So I'm sure when people just come, and uh, and see these animals and see you know see that that whole exuberance of being able to live you know that must resonate with them it must be something that they go away with if not just seeing but feeling the difference do you find that yeah most and most people uh, do comment about that and that's why, how how and why they come back mm-hmm. they realize that it isn't that we are do-gooders but that it also helps us and so and that's explained to them and so they then say boy this is a nice way to spend time or this is a good way to think is just to sit there and be with the patience of a horse or to have the horse uh, although it's the size of a dinosaur uh, to many of us you know it comes up and it is gentle as it can be and rests his head rest their head on your shoulder and um and they get a great deal out of that. And then they start to think and they wonder. And then they come back saying, gee, I'm attracted back to that mm-hmm. aura. So, uh, well, we, yeah, we, know, we know animals to be very healing, don't we? You know, um, they have such a wonderful healing thing. And, and they also pick everything up from us. I mean, you know, animals communicate on a different level. They have a different vibration. Um, when, you know, things are threatening or... Um, or the sickness amongst us, they generally can feel that and they react accordingly. Um, but also they have such a, a wonderful vibration that they can give that is healing to us. And I think people kind of forget that. You know, um, you take an animal, and I don't know if you've ever seen this as an obstetrician, but when they have those animals that can go into hospitals to, you know, people that are very, very sick or, or dying, and how much an animal can change that whole energy of that patient, uh, you know, the calmness, even the healing. Animals have got such wonderful gifts, and we really need to be paying more attention to what they give us and be more appreciative of, of that gift and be more in tune to it. Well, I think you're right. You know, coming from the profession I came from, uh, and it's the way I used to do it, which was sort of very type A and very obsessive and completely kind of immersed in what I was doing. Um, art always demanded that of me. I'm, I mean, other artists have better balance than I did. It's part of the reason I walked away. But mm-hmm. when I first had the animals around me, I frightened them. You know, my sheep would run because my <laughs> I was still so kind of nuts, even though I thought I wasn't moving. I mean, everything around my aura or whatever was moving fast. And, and I learned over the, the last many years what it really means to get still and mm-hmm. to be quiet and, and start an internal perspective going for myself. So it, it's no accident that animals have come to me. I think it was the next step in my life in a, in a personal healing journey. 
began a journey of discovery on what else is out there besides this incredibly focused, high energy that I used to put out constantly. You know, the horses and the sheep are, are functioning at such a different level. They're mm-hmm. in such a truthful, honest, quiet place. Um, and, and I see that with other people. Uh, but what I'm learning for myself is really, really amazing to me. Um, but I mean, you I must have seen your, but you must have seen with your music, you know, I mean, obviously, um, I don't, you know, quite know what kind of music you played, but you know how people get drawn into it, uh, how it becomes a language, you know, it speaks to people and it expresses things in their lives, you know, silently, you know, um, through their music, uh, you know, what, what you play will stimulate them. It's um, really when you look at the animal's vibration, it's a silent music, isn't it? You know, that what's yes, rev- uh, what's yes, coming it's off interesting. the... interesting. Um, I did classical. Mm-hmm. It was all classical for me. So it was, you know, very serious stuff. I was a soloist for many years. And then I started into chamber music, which is small ensembles, piano trios and that sort of thing. It's great fun because you're at least with others and it isn't quite so lonely. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, audiences let go and go to a different place. And I've, I thoroughly enjoy watching that happen for them and for me. And it's yes. the only way I knew how to do that or communicate that way in my life previously. But now, the animals are showing me another way to let go. Just another way entirely of allowing myself to just be and sensing things on a level that I never knew was possible. And I think that's the healing level. Mm-hmm. And for many others much more quickly than for me. So when I watch people connect with my animals, I mean, I'm learning every day how quickly they go into that space. It's very similar to the way someone drops all the affect and listens to music. Mm -hmm. I mean, people just tune in with these animals and they reach a peaceful place and a calm. And the animals feel it and the people feel it. We have volunteers that just want to sit on a chair and have sheep come around them, have alpacas come around them, um, or just brush a horse. And then just stand there. And they think, you know, we're not doing anything for you. We're not working hard enough. And, and we're like, no, no, just stay. Yes. Just stand there. That silent <laughs> communication. Yeah. 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 Because they're communicating. You know, they're, you know, it's, uh, they don't realize that. I mean, you know, vibration and frequency runs very, very high. We don't have to hear it or see it to understand it. But, uh, you know, animals run on a much higher level. Um, I lived on a, an animal farm a couple of, two or three summers ago. Uh, it was a, a rescue farm for mostly dogs, a few cats. Um, they had um, horses there and uh, sheep and goats. And uh, I was there with my border collie. And, you know, it amazed me. You know, there were about, oh, I think it was eight uh, dogs in the kind of in the kitchen area all around. They all had their own bed. They all shared. Some were very old. Some were blind. Some were deaf. You know, some were just had been abandoned and, uh, you know, somewhere along the line abused. But they knew that they were safe in love. And, you know, they had their routine. Everybody went off and had their walks at a certain time. We had the senile dog take the leash of the blind dog and take it for a walk. And, uh, you know, but it, the harmony that was there. You know, there wasn't any altercations. There wasn't any, you know, um, they had some vicious dogs there that, you know, obviously had become vicious for a reason, yet even they were calm because there was trust. And when you set that precedent, what an example to us as humans, when animals are in trust and how they work together and, you know, that harmony of being together, it's so much that they can teach us on that. 
I think Kim can speak to horse herd dynamics better than I can, but you're talking about something we witness with our horses. Um, when a new horse comes in and, you know, they kind of shun him for a while because mm-hmm. he's a new guy and they have to make sure he's not dangerous. Uh, but then somebody will step up and do something amazing. And we have a few out there that we call ambassadors. And they step in and they start the caring role. As soon as they, they determine that that new horse is not dangerous, um, and it's just fascinating to watch this day by day. We have a new guy named Freddie who just got here. He's got bad feet. His owner passed away. Um, and he's just taken to one of our mares who's, I guess she's a mommy at heart, but she's just taken to just ushering him around the field. Uh, and it's so nice to see her take him under under her wing. Don't you think? I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, Tim, uh, do you yeah, see... Uh, Yes, go ahead. Sorry, we lost you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes, uh, there's no retrograde for you. Um, <laughs> it has its interruptions. Um, I'm saying it's a wonderful thing, you know, that hierarchy. You know, I suppose it's it's what they're doing is tuning the horse in, aren't they? You know, if you're going to come here, don't come with any negative vibrations. <laughs> Bring your good vibrations, and then you could be a part of the pack. Um, would you like to tell us more on what you see there with the horses? Well, uh, you know, a fascinating aspect of, of horse uh, behavior is their pecking order. And uh, and it's a great example for human beings if we could only think that way. Uh, horses being prey animals, they think very, very differently than we as predators or dogs or cats as predators, which are the most common ways that uh, we deal with animals. Um, but a horse just wants to conserve uh, their energy. And so... They allow others who fit in a stronger way into the pack to uh, tell them when it's okay to eat and when it's not okay to eat. In other words, run. And they always want to conserve their energy because running is their defense. Mm-hmm. And so they always look to the person ahead of them, I mean the horse, mm-hmm. ahead of them, in order to determine whether it's still okay to keep eating. And, uh, you, and, and they don't mind the position that they're in is the point. They don't care if they're third. They don't care if they're first. They don't care if they're last. They accept their plight, and they feel comfortable in the line that they're in. And uh, and that's not what we do. I mean, we compete yes. no matter what. I mean, it's, 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 it's that being number one, you could be a type A, all that kind of stuff. So the end result is, is that you get a very relaxed atmosphere out there with the person ahead of them or the horse ahead of them um, being the alarm. And therefore, you can you can rest. And then, if if someone is alarmed, then it goes right down the line, and then they're all alarmed, and then they all run. So, uh, you know, that's a take home message for me, who is a rather type A type thing too. And they've taught me how to relax and, and take it easy. You know, when um, you look at much um, more so than when I would. Well, if you look at a pack of horses, you know, wild horses out there running, as you say, there's always that one that's kind of up the point. And and you see the speed that they run, or even like, you know, a herd of cows or any herds of animals. There could be hundreds of them together, and they're twisting and they're turning and they're running, and they don't trip over each other. You know, they don't collide into each other, but they're going hell-bent. And it's, you know, the communication, yeah, must be marvelous between them. To, to kind of keep in that kind of unison where they're not powing all over each other. You look at a herd of humans when they start running in fear. What happens? People get trampled. 
every time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Soccer games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there obviously is a wonderful communication that is constantly on point with them because of the way that they work together. And it's really, you know, they're in unison. Something we could learn from that, most definitely. Um, you were telling me a lovely story the other day, Terry, when you were on your own at the farm for a night, and um, one of your mares had a little telepathic conversation with you. Would you like to tell people what happened there? Uh, uh, that was just amazing. Um, I was home alone that night, and and it was getting dark, and I had been in the barn and fed everyone and did my walkthrough and thought everything was fine and came in, and Tim was off on a call. And um, somehow around 9 o'clock, I just saw my mare, Jaja, in my mind, in front of me, saying, go check the gates to the pasture. And I thought, now this is silly. I'm just being paranoid. I've been out there already. There's nothing wrong. I don't hear anything. I, I could usually hear if there was something going on. But I just thought maybe Jaja wants to see me, so I'll just go see her anyway. So I walked out there, and what do you know? The gates were open. And half of my herd was on the driveway, and the other half was in the barn. And I was by myself, and it's, you know, it's a great many horses with a great many injuries to try to get back out to where it would be safe through kind of narrow passageways. And it can be a little scary because I don't want anyone to get hurt. But um, I was able to get them all back, and no one was injured. And at the very end, it was dark. I looked over in the pasture, and there was my mare, Jaja. She had not left the pasture where she should be, and she was nickering in the dark. Uh, and I walked over to her and looked her in the eye, and it was it was, it was was quite something mm-hmm. because I truly think she alerted me to the, to the problem out there. Yes, and um, imagine if she hadn't. So you know. if she hadn't, I, you know, my herd would have probably gone out and crossed the road and been in a neighbor's field. So it may not have been a disaster, but... You know, with so many with injuries and yes. a lot of people with barbed wire fences around here, you know, something can go de- terribly wrong. Um, so she's my girl, you know. I need to start trusting when I hear her call me. I, I think we've really developed a communication, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, to trust myself when I hear her voice in my head. Um, what else I was to you? For sure that it was real. You know, I, you know, I pick up because I'm um, an empath as well. So I picked up that she's a chatty one and that she would like to have a conversation with you every day. So did you go and have a, an apple and a conversation? Did you go and have a chat with her? I, I did. I, I came right home that day after I spoke to you and I went right to Jaja and I said, you know, I was told I don't talk to you enough. And she looked at me like she put her ears up and her eyes got bright. And I think she said, yes. You don't. So I've been trying to make sure I get out there daily and, and use my, my real voice like you told me to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she, she looked so happy uh, to get that attention from me. So we're, we're keeping up our communication. Who knows what she'll tell me next? Right, exactly. You're, you're, you're tuned in now, so definitely pay attention. And, um, you know, that's the... I, I w- the Animals are, are incredible. Um, I've had one save my life from a certain death. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what they can do for you. Um, and, but, you know, the, when there's a bond between a human and an animal, you know, if you're not an animal lover, people don't understand it. Um, you know, what's all the fuss about? They're just very smelly things. And, you know, it's, I feel sad for those that really aren't in touch with animals in some way because, 
it's that unspoken love, uh, unspoken trust and um, undying loyalty that is there with them. And, uh, you know, I think that anybody who has an animal in any sort understand this and, and resonate life on a, on a different level altogether. Do you have dogs on the on the farm? We do. Yeah, we currently have five. <laughs> what are they? Uh, 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 four of them, they're all rescues, of course, mm-hmm. and four of them are uh, Australian Shepherd Border Collie mixes. Uh-huh. Mine's a Border um, Collie, my favorite breed. And we have one in a totally... And the other uh, one is? Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so we've rescued them for, for various reasons, whether they were going to be shot or what, two of them are feral uh, animals uh, living under a log. Um, and they've all, you know, come around after a couple of years uh, to trust us and now uh, basically live on our couches and beds and mm-hmm. uh, donate hair to our house. <laughs> you know, Sarah, a funny thing when we moved out here and- in 2003, when we moved out here, it was like Noah's Ark. I mean, we brought with us from New York. Uh, I, I rented an RV and it took me four days to get out here. And I had a bloodhound, a greyhound, a German Shepherd. These are all res- various rescues from Long Island. Uh, four cats. We had an ancient Doberman who was who was not doing well. Birds. Um, and it was a terrifying journey because I felt like all these lives were in my hands on a, and there I was driving a 30 foot RV. Um, and, and those dogs have all since passed and they all have their own wonderful stories. But, um, you know, getting close to dogs is, I think, everybody's first step into yeah. the world of animals. And that's such an obvious thing and such a wonderful thing. And, I, you know, right now I'm thinking of my Jenny, my greyhound, and that bond was so strong. Um, and now it's Anna, our Anatolian Shepherd, and my sweet Chance, who's sitting at my feet right here. He's a Border Collie. Um, but, you know, learning to to hear the animals, the, the different ones, the horses, it's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. They don't necessarily come when you call. They don't cuddle with you on the couch. There's a, there's a sense about what they're thinking and what they're trying to tell you that, I mean, I'm working on learning. Yes. And it's funny because I, once again, as my type A, I'm working on it. And what all my friends and instructors are telling me is you got to just kind of let go. Yes. And let it be. More, which is, which is difficult when you've been raised with a, with a head full of intellectualism or just the the other side of the brain function. Yeah, you have to trust your knowingness. You know, you have to just step out there and listen to your heart and soul and let your intellect, you know, step out of it. You want to trust your soul's intellect because that is telling you what to do. It's also what's guided you to where, you know, what you are doing uh, and and why you're doing it so well. So sometimes we have to get out of our heads um, and just trust, you know, the reason why we're doing it. And then we will just simply do it the right way. So it's just a hard transition if you've always been brought up in the head. But, you know, when you step out of it, just like listening to Zsa you know, um, it means that you're tuned in and trust that tuning in and, uh, you know, keep listening to that gut because it will never, ever send you wrong. Um, have a, just well, a quick... That is just so wonderful that you, you know, I tell that story now. Ten years ago, I would have been embarrassed to tell yes. that story. Yes. You know, and now even just this one percent of me that's still embarrassed. So I, but I will tell the story because so many people, 
so many people are learning this now, I think, and so many are are, are not going to laugh when you say that and are going to tell you, hey, that really happened. That really did happen. Pay attention to it. Let it happen again. Yes, oh. exactly. Just, you know, you're, you're, as I said, the radio frequency is tuned in now. Just listen yeah, so to it. When, so my experience with the horses, I've always been able to communicate somewhat with animals in a, in a more traditional way. Uh, and what I found with horses being prey animals is uh, the thing that I need, the lesson I need to learn in life is patience. Mm-hmm. And uh, in New York, you didn't need patience. You just screamed at everybody because, yes. you know, that's where the road rage originated from. And, and, uh, and, and we all do it very, very well there, like it being in a deli and that sort of thing. And you just scream and push yourself around and everybody's obnoxious and, and it works out quite well uh, <laughs> as long as there's no guns or anything. So yeah. when I got here, I brought my road rage with me um, and then and, and my male whining and that sort of thing. And then one, <laughs> one December... Uh, morning when it was uh, minus 40 outside and I did not want to go outside and do it and I was whining and procrastinating and feeling sorry for myself because I had to go out and deal with the horses for like 20 minutes in that weather. Um, I finally went out there and the horses have icicles hanging off their face and they've been standing there for God knows how long at the fence patiently waiting for me to come out and it was an epiphany for me. Because I said, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I sat there and went, oh, I have a lot to learn here from these guys. Because, yes. you know, here I am, this impatient person, and they're, they're going to wait till the end of time, and they're not even going to complain when I come out. They're just going to be uh, grateful that I'm there. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a great, great lesson for me, and I think about that all the time whenever I don't feel like going out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know? Well, so, can you think about that all day? Because that would be really nice. If you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could only, like, uh, you know, get infected I, with that. Thought. Well, I know I don't have icicles hanging off my face, but um, <laughs> I, I think what he's saying is he's now becoming aware of how often people around him <laughs> are waiting. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you are a person that's kind of very zoned in, you know, and and I've, I've not lived in New York, but I've been there many a time. I had a brother and a niece who lived up there. And, I, you know, for me, basically, a week or two of New York is all I could take. Yeah. I came home exhausted. Exactly. Because it is constantly on at high speed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to to unchange that, you know, to download that, and actually, if you've never done it before, kind of get into a different mindset where there is stacks of things talking to you, but they're talking to you in whispers. And you have to come down to a totally different frequency to tune in mm-hmm. and mellow out. And uh, so, yeah, it is a practice. Um, but, you know, as you were saying to me a moment ago, it's also kind of where you are in your elevation of your own, you know, spirit and what you live in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more you tune into it, the more you actually vibrate on that level and it becomes then first nature, you know, um, something you just do all the time. Yes, and I think that the, that the more that they teach me, the more I become like mm-hmm. them. Not that I could ever, uh, you know, fully live that honor, but I do get to communicate with them better and better and better and become become more one with them. Mm-hmm. As I start practicing what they show me. So. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then letting go. I mean, because obviously you're still in two worlds. You know, you've still got a, a practice there, and you know, in that world where you you're really having to be on the ball and in the now, exactly. And you know, even thinking a step ahead, mm-hmm. where you go back to the farm, where it is very manana. You mm-hmm. know, is the the needs of obviously you know the food and the grooming mm-hmm. and the taking mm-hmm. care of. But otherwise, life is is lived in a wonderful tranquility. Um, of peace and harmony and very different to where you are. So, yeah, I'd imagine it would be hard to kind of switch, you know, switch your, your brain from one side to the other. But Well, I think it's, I, yeah, I don't, I don't actually think it's hard. I think that it's complementary. And I was kidding mm-hmm. when I said, you know, I'm so confused. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's complementary because, you, you know, if I have time. a difficult emergency near-death case that just actually recently happened, and I'm able to go home and mm-hmm. ask my dog's opinion or yep. ask my horse's understanding, uh, you know, I immediately get a smile on my face and relax, which is extremely yeah. therapeutic. And then and if I'm relaxed, if love, I'm relaxed right? enough that way, yeah. then I'm able to come back and give more to my patients because I'm not harassed by congestion. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you know just sometimes just petting them, mm-hmm. you know, they just seem to give you so many oh, answers. And yes. that, you know, that, that, you know, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're there type of thing. And, uh, you know, you know, if you're not an animal lover, when people see pe- humans talking to animals, they think that they've lost it. Actually, no, folks, you found it. Yeah. Because yeah. animals respond to you in so many ways. And <laughs> even in that silent way, you come away with an answer that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So a great gift to have. So, yes, a great True. balance and complementary to your practice. So your yeah. patients are yeah. definitely going to benefit from that. Well, that's interesting find- because I, you know, let me jump in on that because I'm experiencing right now the absolute opposite. I spent the morning on the farm um, with a volunteer doing massage and a little bit of aromatherapy and getting very quiet and being listening and and to come into work now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I sit down at my desk and I have to be very careful not to immediately get short with people because it seems like even in this very slow pace of Gunnison compared to New York lifestyles, mm-hmm. um, questions come firing at you. And you have to just put it up in fifth gear and crank something up that was just at this wonderful low level. Yeah. Um, and I, I have trouble with that transition. Um, mm-hmm. I think I have trouble with all transitions, which is, uh, well, even <laughs> you coming up. You can't tip those scales like fast. Well, it's, it's difficult. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so incredibly different what's asked of you. And, and the more you get into it with the animals, the more you don't want to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have to kind of tell yourself, now look, I'm on the road and I'm going into work and things are going to start flying by and, you need to amp it up a little bit or just allow that not to be a bad experience. Kind of like when you take a horse in a trailer and take it down to the fairgrounds. It has the same response. It does not want to be there. It does not want to be in the, yeah. on the road. Um, you know, and it turns into a different creature and, and all its intuitive stuff seems to shut down and it just goes into survival mode. Um, and, the, you know, this is how I sound on a day when I come into the office um, after being on the farm, it's more and more. I just don't want to leave the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the peace exactly. and the quiet and the tranquility. Yeah. So do when people when people find... want 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 me to go to a party, I go and I run and hide in the barn. Oh, you do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a barn party. <laughs> That's right. I have my own party going. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. There's an idea. Let's have a quiet party in the barn. <laughs> exactly. The candlelight dinner in the barn. Everybody just come around and hang out and say nothing. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something interesting <laughs> to try? 
Um, it might be. It I, might be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need my gong master. Uh, he's going to be on the show coming up um, mm. towards the end. And, uh, oh, my God, you do need him. He's, he's amazing. He does gong baths. And uh, the, the sounds are absolutely resonating. Ah, beautiful. They take you to nice. a wonderful level and uh, highly recommend him. Um, but, you know, one question I want to ask you, transference, is that when you leave the farm to go to work and work with your patients, do you find that you actually are more intuitive or calmer with your patients? That you maybe that you're actually hearing things from your patients or feeling things from your patients that you weren't in tune to before? I think so. I think that I uh, demand more eye contact. I'm looking more inward with them yes mm-hmm. i think so i think it, it it makes it more of a human uh relationship rather than doctor patient yeah i think that's true yes I, I i never thought about that before but certainly the the moving from a Jennifer. grateful calm peaceful patient yeah. animal walking in and seeing someone frantic i certainly have you know a blanket to provide for them yeah. Of, of, of that serenity in, in a way. You know what I mean? It, it, it does work that way. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about the telepathy part or whatever you call it with that unspoken stuff, but it certainly, it certainly is affecting me in terms of, um, how I approach another individual. Well, you know, I hate to tell you, you're actually, you're, you're hearing the unspoken stuff. Yes. You know, just because it doesn't translate into our English. Right. You know, the fact that it actually is changing your approach mm-hmm. and allowing you to be more in tune mm-hmm. with your patients and, and, and mm-hmm. come up to them from a different way, mm-hmm. you, you are actually listening to what the animals have already taught you and the frequency they've put you on. Yeah, I just don't it's even just, know it. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't even know it mm-hmm. because otherwise you would just go to work and work would be the same. Yes. You know? Right. So you're already there, mate. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for welcoming me. <laughs> just keep trusting it. And remember, don't analyze it. Just <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. That is a yeah. problem. Yeah. That's the toughest part, I think, about learning this stuff. You know, you go to classes mm. and lectures, and, and many people like me, we I want direction. I want to know, how do you do this, and what's the next step? And I, I so want to do it more. Yeah, how do I know I'm uh, there? But, you know, that's not yeah. how you learn intuitively. No. So the no. lectures can be very frustrating because they're telling you to listen to your inner voice and develop yeah. that ability within. So you're kind of directionless, and it's a self-taught thing, and you need to really cue in on who you really are. Yes. And what works when you for you. know your vibration, you'll know how it resonates with everybody else. Yes. And, you know, it's like getting to that knowingness, you know, that trust. Yes. Knowing what you need to know at the time you need to know it without any doubt or any needing of any other further clarity. And it's trusting that. It was trusting what your mayor said to you the other day and going out there. You didn't dismiss it. You paid respect to that vibrational communication. And the more and more you just keep doing that and, and not worry about what other people are thinking or, you know, am I looking for Funny, or is uh, I wouldn't have done this back in New York. Just going, going with the flow. And the more you do that, the more you turn yes. your frequency volume up, and it becomes, you know, as I said, first nature to you. Uh, you know, the woman this morning trying aromatherapy on one of our injured horses. We were walking out of the barn, and she said, "Oh, he wants to smell the orange again, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the yeah. orange oil that she uses." Yeah. And you know, we were. 10 paces away from the horse and she turned back and opened her bottle and sure enough, Freddie came up and, and got a big whiff of the oil and, you know, made his lips get big and kind of got really excited. <laughs> and, and I didn't even ask her this time 
How did you how did you know? Right. Because now I need I know with my mare experience that we discussed. Yeah. You just got to let it be and yes. for me to question her would put doubt in her mind. Which is mm-hmm. why I'm so appreciative when I talk to someone like you and I tell my mare story and you just say, "Of course." Not yes. how, what did you hear and what did it look like and what did it sound like and how did you do that and We don't need to worry about the what. Well, we just need to trust uh, the why. I think that's what we're both <laughs> learning. It's just uh-huh. If someone tells you they heard something, you don't ask them how. You just say, okay, and move on. (laughs) But the thing is about, you know, um, intuitively listening or spiritually listening is that we don't need to know the, the how it's happening. You know, when you're actually in tuned, all you're doing is paying attention to the message. Mm-hmm. And what is the message telling you to do? It's it's the why. I've received this information. What am I meant to do with it? Or, you know, why is it being given to me? And it's never going to be sometimes that concise. You know, like the gate is open. You might get obscure messages mm-hmm. and you have to unravel what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, obviously they're going to give you messages as they see things and they may see things in frequency vibration or pictures mm-hmm. and you have to unravel it and it's just to trust it um well you know, i think one of, you know one of my favorite quotes is from yoda in star wars just do it or no yoda says <laughs> you must unlearn what you have learned yes and i you know the way you're talking i i wish i could think that way and i can but i wish i could you think can. that way completely because we are taught the absolute opposite of that which Mm -hmm. is to question everything listen to everybody's opinion on everything you want to say let others speak before you Mm -hmm. um what i feel is not as important as what someone else in the barn might be feeling and you know we we cultivate these skills of uh, around those kinds of directives and it's the opposite that now we're trying to learn to do and also both of you come from very disciplined careers extremely very disciplined lives mm-hmm. and so you know you're used to that regiment and mm-hmm. you know you, it's the fact that you're actually open to completely swinging the other way and you know being open to receive uh, the more and more you're open to that the more and more you'll let those guards down and and just let it flow and trust it every time it comes pay attention to it you know um how does it make you feel and you should feel a, a wonderful sense of almost a glow and a sense of peace coming over you and when you're in that just keep embracing that because that means you're inviting more and more of it and it will just come naturally get you know always say to people you know uh, get out of thought and get into feeling and feel your knowledge when you feel it it resonates with you in a totally different way and that's what the animals do they're not thinking they're feeling mm-hmm. all right so it's us that kind of overthink things but that's a tricky you know? word because feeling implies to many people get emotional and like you, you you must feel something or something deep or something and a lot of times the, when i'm hearing something occasionally now a few times i'm in a very quiet passive state and it would be the opposite of emotional that a lot of people i think confuse with the the word feeling um, I say to so people feeling is not do you know yeah, what i mean i say to people be emotionally tuned in do not be emotional there's mm-hmm. a difference well, that's a good way to put it. That's a great way because to put it. Because we can be emotional about things we don't understand. But when we're emotionally mm-hmm. tuned in, that emotion serves us beautifully because it tells us how we're feeling and when we're feeling good, we're doing something right. That is the kind of the entunement of emotion. When we get emotional, it's when we don't know what we're doing and we become fearful 
Or, and yes. so that is the, the kind of the opposite emotion that we do not want. So if, yes. if you get like that, that. And that's very distracting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, very, you know, when you're emotional, you're not paying attention to anything. I mean, you're, you're totally engaged in whatever emotion you're expressing. But emotional, emo, feeling emotion, I think it's confusing to use these words. Because in, in line and in tune um, implies something so quiet mm-hmm. uh, that, at least in my mind, I want to take the word emotion out of the sentence. So I'm trying to learn how to incorporate that thought um, to get it straight in the mind because it's, it's important. It's reprogramming. Yeah, reprogramming. Reprogram to feel your intuitiveness. It's, it's to listen mm-hmm. to your soul, which is around your gut. Your gut has, uh, your soul has its own intellect. When you listen to your soul's intellect, it then gives it to your heart, where your heart becomes impassioned by this knowledge. It gives it to your spirit, where your spirit now can fly into action. You then go into knowingness, where you simply know what you need to know in that moment of knowledge, and you act upon it. And it's done with such clarity, such peace, that Mm -hmm. there is no questioning, there is just doing. But the knowledge is coming Mm -hmm. from the soul, because the soul has its own intellect. And when we listen to that, we will never be guided wrong. It always speaks the truth. Yeah, it's a wonderful, immediate, genuine, sure feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the brain tries to muck it up or the emotional side of the brain tries to muck it up by saying, wait a minute, what about me? (laughs) What was that? And and you lose it. So it's just like meditation, which is a practice I love Mm -hmm. to do where you quiet down all the thinking mind and you see what else is there. And that's you. And to me, I think that's what Tim's feeling. And he doesn't even want to call it that, but it's, it's getting all the mental shenanigans out of the way and feeling who you really are. And that's when you start to hear. Yes. Yes, it is. It's, that's the entunement. And it's just riding on that uh, good vibrations, on that frequency. Yeah. And when you're on that yeah. frequency, you're in that frequency of really love and trust. And uh, there isn't any static there unless somebody comes in with something. So, you know, it is take that breath. Simply take that yes, breath. Yes, and I think, you know, the fact that you, Tim, can come to work and apply yeah. that feeling is something I need to be taught because, as I said, when I, when I get there and then I come into work and I, I lose the feeling, um, it, it, it can become even more frustrating. Uh, you know, multitasking used to be uh, something you pride yourself on in New York. Well, now, you know, it annoys me because now the brain really gets in overdrive again and I get farther and farther away from that alignment. So that's where I'm working currently spiritually to see how to make this more what I do all the time. As we say, and how, to, is, how to still work. Take a breath. Um, yeah. And it's um, incorporate various sounds and things that are peaceful for you. Stop and take a breath. Take two or three really good deep breaths. And they will mm-hmm. always bring you back to that centering. So the moment you start feeling those signs, you know, of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm beginning to get frazzled or I don't like the speed of things or, you know, just that irritation. Stop. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing, even if you're about to, you know, be with a patient, take a breath. Encourage them to do so. Have everybody Mm -hmm. just take a breath and you'll see the difference of just filling your lungs up, calming everything down, your heart, your spirit, everything. And then you're you're back on that plane again when you can see things straight. Mm -hmm. That's a great cue because, I, you know, in meditation class and yoga, I mean, it's all about these deep breaths Mm -hmm. that 
fill each cell and try to feel it to the you know end of each extremity and and that's a really transformative practice I think and you know when we get into fifth gear we completely don't do that no, no. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a great reminder. I mean something and, you can I, get your patients to do, even the parents as well, especially the parents, because the the parents are the ones that are all in a knot, anxious about what's happening with their child. Um, uh, but you're an obstetrician, so you're with the mm-hmm. the baby. They, you know, mm-hmm. if you calm the mother down, the baby's going to calm down. So mm-hmm. it's even saying to your mother before we do anything, before I ask you any question, we're going to take three deep breaths. And you'll find that, um, you know, things that they really were so completely anxious about, they're not that anxious about now. Or they can at least tell you what it is without that static and anxiety around there. It works every time. It's really wonderful. Mm. And it's Great idea. good to incorporate it in just everything you do in life. Yeah. Well, we are yeah, coming to the what? end here, and uh, we've got so much information. And I'd like you to tell everybody now how they can um, participate um, you know, um, volunteer or support financially or anything else to do with uh, Safe Harbors, if you'd like to get let people know how to get hold of you and in what way they can help. Well, safeharborranch.com, we have a nice little website where we have uh, lots of beautiful pictures, and I'm, I'm putting on story after story about the various animals that have found their way to us. Um, there's a donate button. We would certainly appreciate donations. Cash donations are always welcome. Local people have been giving us uh, donations of hay or horse feed or their time. Um, veterinary care and farriery are, are partially donated, which is just a huge burden listed from us. Um, but anybody out there who can spare something and would like to help us on our quest, um, check out our website. And, and no amount is too small. It's, it costs a lot to do this. Um, but it's such a worthwhile thing, and you're really helping us spread this message that animals are vital and every moment of every life is worth something. Yeah. Uh, and we'll keep doing it as long as we can. Mm-hmm. So safeharborranch.com. Excellent. That's where we are. You know, the fact that you go for the seniors, you know, those are the generally the ones that are tossed aside and forgotten um, in human yes. life, never mind in animal life. And, Absolutely. Uh, and it's time that we respect our seniors because they've paved mm-hmm. the way for the young. Uh, they are a mountain full of knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. a mountain full of, of love and care. And when we show that love and value to our seniors, we're showing it to ourselves and we're showing it to our youth. Um, and it just makes good vibrations everywhere we go. So thank you so much for Absolutely. being on the air. This has been absolutely great. And um, I really commend you guys for what you're doing. And I hope it encourages many other people to do the same. And uh, I know that there's some very, very grateful animals there on your farm. And as well as the humans that come and experience the wonderful gift that those animals have to mm-hmm. give. So keep up the great work. And uh, uh, thanks, Sarah. And uh, as I said, you, you've got to listen to Paul on the Gong Master because I think you'll find that will be absolutely amazing. Oh, abso- absolutely. <laughs> we, we just great. want to thank you for your interest that you reached out. To yeah, us it's been very enjoyable. Oh no, definitely. To you for and, your, and your wealth of knowledge. And please keep me posted as to what is happening. And if you've got any news and things like this, I'm you know happy to kind of uh, insert it in there so people know what's going on and update everybody. So. Yeah, terrific. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Trust the force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, may the force be with you too, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, we'll sign off. Bye bye. Bye -bye.